Harbor House Collective talking about Boston Cannabis Week. Yeah, shout out Harbor House, one of VCW's partners for this year. We're so excited that they're involved. All right, let me take a drink. We aren't starting yet. <laughs> I like to do a bunch of false starts before I really start. No, <laughs> thank you, Lisa, for coming on. It's so ha I'm happy we got to do this. Yes. When I first good. heard about Boston Cannabis Week, I was excited about it, and I saw the lineup, and I was like, "Oh, now I have to go." And then we we met at um at the DJ Mugs event. Okay. Um. Right. At right. True. That that was at uh, True Leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I I really found out about it. Yeah, awesome. So how did the, how did Scott's not here, but how did Boston Cannabis Week come together? How did you and Scott meet? How did... Um, so I met Scott uh, a few years back. I was the booking agent at uh, Hard Rock Boston, and I started booking basically '90s hip hop acts there. So we did Happy Roots and uh, a bunch of other artists, and then I booked Redman for a show there. And during the Red Man show, um, this guy, my now business partner, crashed the VIP. And like, I was like, who are you? Uh, and he said, I work at the time he was working with the Freedom Rally. Uh, and he said, I would, you know, would you be interested in working with the Freedom Rally to book Method Man and Red Man this year? And I said, sure. So that was in three months. So three months later. We raised all the funds. We booked Method Man and Red Man for the Freedom Rally, did a free show uh, during the Freedom Rally. We did the show in Boston Common with them, um, booked some of the other talent on that lineup. And during that time, my now business partner, Scott, was like, we should be doing a week of events. It should be like Fashion Week, but Cannabis Week, like all different uh, types of events, of different sizes that cater to different audiences. Um, and we uh, started planning it in 2016. We launched officially in 2019, and now uh, we are in our fourth year. Congratulations. Yeah. So you came into it as a music booker. Yeah, my background's in music and- See, I uh, had no idea about yeah. that. That And rap music too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you work much. at Hard Rock, but you were booking a lot of rap. Yeah, prior to that, um, I was the brand and PR manager for Leeds Edutainment. So we did, uh, he did all the hip hop shows at Middle East and Cambridge and Church and Fett and Providence. Um, so I was working in hip hop for a while before that, but it's, it's also the music of I, I've always listened to. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, once I wasn't like working for Leeds anymore, I was started. I was still booking shows. I launched Experience Creative. That was my own brand that I was doing uh, booking and creative services for artists. And that business was up and running for five years uh, until COVID. And then uh, I said, you know, I'm just going to put all my efforts into Boston Cannabis Week. So how did you get into booking first? Because, all right, Boston Cannabis Week is four years old, mm -hmm. but there was a lot of time that had to make up to getting there. Yes. Um, so I've been a hip hop head since I was 13 years old. You know, first CD was Doggy Style. And uh, so I was like Snoop and, you know, Wu family, family music or were you? No, fine, no, um... no. This was the music I'd get in trouble for listening to. <laughs> 
uh constantly got cds taken away and that kind of thing um but smoking I, weed at that time too yeah i started when i was we'll say 14. wow yeah. i started when i was 18. i was a <laughs> i was a late bloomer yeah so i i started younger and um but it wasn't like what it was now it was like you know hanging with friends we all thought it was cool whatever um wait what is it now <laughs> now now it's for me it's way more of a, a medicinal function and mm -hmm. way more of a lifestyle function and not just like something to do because it's cool you know um but we were working uh so i was working with ned left you know wasn't working with leads entertainment anymore launched experience creative was doing these shows and then later on that morphed into bcw i've also been doing uh, media buying and marketing throughout my career. Uh, when you were like 13, 14, listening to rap, smoking weed, did you, what were, what did you want? like such a de degenerate. Like it wasn't that bad. I wasn't like, look at what, are you, all right. You got to think how silly that is for you to say that you are now running Boston Cannabis Week with common currency, yeah. Rock Marciano, tracks, the Alchemist. That's what I'm saying is, back then you didn't see what your future would hold no no I what did you think your future was you know at that time i had my childhood was a, a little uh rocky at that times so like i just you know parents split up had a lot of things going on in life um and i just i found music that i related to on a different level and i lived I grew up in a nice neighborhood, but my family in particular didn't, we didn't have a lot of what the other kids had. So I think like when I started listening to it, I related to so many of the things they were talking about. It was like, I was hearing like Biggie talking about like not having food. And I was like, oh, we, we just got food from the church. Like, like it like clicked and I was yeah. like, oh, our power got shut off. It was like, oh yeah, other people understand this, Yeah, you know? So, um, there was this connection instantly to the music. And then I think that kind of also was the intro to cannabis early on. It was like, there was something else that kind of helped things just smooth out a little bit, you know, it mm -hmm. didn't have to be so rocky. Um, so I think that's kind of how all the things came together. Anyone who knows me from back then and knows me now would probably say it totally tracks that I'm, uh, you know, the co-founder of you, But you didn't think it would. Not then, no, definitely not. Um, Cause I was the same way with rap. I was, yeah. I went to, I got a full tuition to a uh, Cushing Academy. It's a boarding yeah. school. And I was with the richest people in the world. And I was living in like a $400 a month apartment with my mom. Right. And I was just like, no one's gonna, I could relate to the music more than right. I could relate to the people around yeah, me. That was definitely, that it. would be living at boarding school, getting $5,000 a week to like, what are you doing with that money? Like, right. Yeah, I didn't, I did. There was a lot of people that I was, I grew up with that I couldn't relate to, but suddenly there was music and there was another lifestyle that I related to way more. Did you want to work in that when you were younger, like at that age? Age? did you want well, to... at that age i thought i was gonna like do hair for a living i loved playing with hair and like nails and i'm like oh i should do that like i never in a million years thought and even as my my life progressed so like i wasn't the best student all the way through high school i kind of went to community college because my mom like she's like you could do two things you can go get a job or you can go to community college i want you to go to community college so if you don't do that i'm gonna bother you every day for the rest of your life and i was like all right, I might as well go do that. So I went to uh, Nassau Community College on Long Island, and I remember the first class I took was a 
television production class was and I was like, people do this for a living like this is crazy. So that was the first time that I I got into school mm. and then I got my associate's degree transferred to Quinnipiac University, studied communication there. Uh, got my bachelor's and then went to work for MTV for a little while doing TV production. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I worked on like True Life and Cribs and Cribs. Like, really? Did you yeah. get to go to any Cribs? No, I was oh. a production assistant. Okay. We were like editing. I was doing editing. Oh, all like, right. I like I worked on the like Mariah Carey episode, which is like an infamous episode for being horrible people. Um, and a bunch of others. And then uh, after that, I was like, I gotta. I need something a little bit more and I actually got into the ad agency business from there. And I, cause it was like media marketing. I understood all those things. Um, and then working in the ad agency business, I did that for about 10 years. Uh, and then an agency in Boston moved me up here from New York to work for them. And, uh, I did that for a year and a half and then decided to kind of switch gears and went out freelance. And I started working in radio and then started working in music and, then it was like from then on, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be working in music, obviously. <laughs> like it just it clicked like at that point. So it wasn't even really till it I clicked moved to at Boston. that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was really late. What I, did you think you were going to be doing? I guess when you're living in New York, I, I was doing like media buying and but you didn't you weren't thinking about like what your impact was. Yeah, I had a whole other life like before that, like married my high school sweetheart. We got divorced like it was like I had a different life. And then, thank God, I had- Was that the, like, fake life? Like, you were trying to be something? No, I think if I had stayed in New York, that was the life I was supposed to live. I think the fact that I took a chance on doing something different, and I left that, and I, I had the opportunity to come to Boston um, and work for this agency and just test it out. It literally was, I turned, um, I turned 30, and I said, you know what? I'm going to just say yes to everything. Like, I'm going to just have this year. And it was the year that my ex-husband and I separated. And I was like, I'm just going to try some new things out. And it was the first time I went camping. Loved that. Started going to shows all the time. Loved that. Uh, and got a job offer in Boston. I was like, all right, this is the year. Yes, I got to do it. And I did. And it was two weeks. I took the job. And it was like two weeks later, I had five suitcases, moved up here, stayed with a friend for like a month. And then uh, got a place and very soon I was like, I don't want to do this, the ad agency stuff anymore, <laughs> which is funny because I'm still I'm like back to doing it now. Like I do like freelance work from time to time. Um, but it was there was a need for me to just go learn or figure something else out. And Why then, did you start saying yes to shit? Because things happen to your life when you say yes, as opposed to saying no out of fear. And I think a lot of people say no out of fear, fear of the to unknown. build a shell. Yeah, it's like you protect yourself because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the world's going to be like. You don't know what the outcome could be. And um, then if something goes wrong, you're like, well, that's a possibility now. So you don't want to say yes to right. it again. And you start building these right. layers. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like things can go wrong at any time. You know, we've been doing Boss Cannabis Week for four years. The, the anxiety or the stress of like, this has to be perfect still exists. It just because it's four years old doesn't mean that we're not trying to be better and be bigger and, you know, do what's right by all of our partners. Like, yeah. That's very front front of mind for all of us. But I think a lot of people are at that point in life where they're scared to make that decision you made. Probably. I mean, 
when I told my family I was moving to Boston, they were like, first of all, I had a bunch of family call me traitors because we're diehard Yankee fans. And they were like, you're a traitor. Like, you're really? a real traitor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then my dad cried, which like he doesn't cry. Just because so. it was if you moved to like no, because I was just because I was leaving. Oh, oh, I thought he was such a Yankees fan. No, he was no, like, no. you're living. It was like it was like he was happy for me because he knew I had to do it. And at the same time, he was like, oh, you're leaving. Like, but it was the best thing for me. Did you almost not do it, or you were set that you were gonna do no, it? I think I I needed something in my life. I needed to do something new. I was, you know just recently separated from my ex-husband and we had been together we went to high school together so we've been together 12 years and i'm like this is a new life i got to figure some things out uh and i wanted to to come and just try something new and um i actually i i feel very strongly that if i had not said yes to that all these other things in my life wouldn't have happened i wouldn't have launched boston cannabis week i wouldn't have gotten into music i wouldn't have gotten into entertainment i wouldn't have worked with all these artists and met all these wonderful people so it was all part of my story and why all these things had to come together. Um, and actually, I met my now husband at a Bone Thugs and Harmony show working in Providence. Did you? Yeah, like I was working with Ned. We did a show in Providence. Um, my husband, my now husband was running security and I was just running around and we um, we like kept catching we had like a brief interaction that first time then we had another show like two weeks later and we ke we kept catching each other's eye the whole night and at the time my boss was like i don't know what's going on here but this is work and you can't do that and then i was like all right well i'm gonna have to do that now so uh it literally led to like us getting together and little i didn't know i would end up marrying this man and it, like that i feel firmly that that was the path i was supposed to be on like I was supposed to be here and I was supposed to meet my husband and I was supposed to and the rap ties it like, all together. That's very <laughs> funny. That is, they, <laughs> no, I think people do try to hide from who they really are because of how they think other people would like me with this rap podcast. When I first started interviewing rappers, people didn't want me to. Mm. like they really didn't they were like oh, why yeah. is this nerdy white dude like oh, and like, it wasn't even the rappers it was just P yeah, yeah like why and it was because i loved it yeah someone said to me once that if you don't know what your passion is look at what you take a lot of pictures of on your phone oh that's good that's smart it like and i looked and it was like a lot of rap concerts and i just yeah. took the leap to start it because yeah. it's what i really wanted to do yeah. like the thing that scares you the most is the thing you probably should be doing yeah absolutely like if you didn't move you would have been in a life that you probably would have been fine with very like cookie okay. cutter right. okay or do. you could take chances right. right i was someone who had to take a chance and i still continue to take chances sometimes to my own detriment sometimes i take too many chances but now i'm a little older i'm a little bit more stable i, I you know i have a better understanding of how to run businesses you know this was also Boston Cannabis Week was the third business I ran. It wasn't the first. And the first two, you know, I learned a lot, but I had to make a lot of mistakes over the years to get to the point where I knew how to deal with what is happening now. Um, a lot of people also make the mistake of, I'm gonna, you know, they have this idea, I'm gonna launch my own company, I'm gonna start a, and, and I love that, but I went and learned from the best first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, even on the music side of things. So I mentioned before I was working for Leeds Edutainment, uh, you know, 
that few years back when Boston Cannabis Week got too big. I couldn't handle the booking anymore because it was like I had this going on and this going did it get on. too big on the second year or the first last year on the so third third year. It got too big for me to be able to to handle all that on my own. So I I called the person who I used to work for and who I learned booking from Ned Wilberry. Um, and we had, you know, at that time we weren't even like on the best of terms, but I, I just felt like we should have a conversation and I hit him up. I'm like, should we chat? And he's like, yeah, we should. Uh, and it, that conversation just led to him coming on board Boston cannabis week and, and handling the talent booking now. Um, for mostly the festival, he he also is working on the block party too. Um, but the entire team behind Boston Cannabis Week are people who have been involved with the folks behind it in one way or another. And now we need a really solid crew to help make this all go. So we pulled in our team and that's how it all goes. What was the first year like? Oh my God. I You know, me and my business partner, Scott, uh, Scott Batano, we laugh about it now because I think we were naive as to what type of undertaking we were doing it was like we're just gonna do this right and the first year it was very hard to get any sponsors on board or partners like people weren't like writing checks to be involved or anything like that um but we we managed to pull it out and like all the events went pretty well and then um our our music festival we had lupe fiasco Bia right before like Rihanna tweeted about Bia the day after our festival and it was like whoosh, she was out <laughs> um we also had uh Lisa Bello Jeannie Santiago Marcella Cruz Latrell James so it was like pretty solid lineup no yeah. hugs the devil's twins it was a pretty solid lineup um and but I look back on it now and I go wow like we were so naive as to like what we were actually doing you know, it was just like, well, we're going to just throw this together. And mind you, it wasn't thrown together because we had been planning it since 2016. So we'd been planning it for three years at that point. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but it wait, was, so it's three years from inception to year one. Yeah. So we're, even though this, when did you four, realize your naivete? <laughs> two months ago <laughs> when we were announcing the common lineup and i was like oh my god like now because this to me is heavy it's like common cursey rock marciano the alchemist acrobatic a dub apocalypse like dutch rebel dj Slipwax. this is like a, a heavy lineup and this lineup like and and again it's it's a collaborative effort ned is our booking agent he is very involved in everything that we do. Um, but like there's a group of people that signs off on every artist that gets booked. So there's several of us that have to go, okay. And for the lineup you see here, there's another probably 10 artists that had offers that were that we didn't go through with for one reason or another. Yeah. We had different headliners at one point. We had different support artists at one point. Like it all keeps changing. So I, I think the day we were announcing this, I called Scott and I'm like, remember year one when it was just like, let's just throw tickets up. And it was so like, it was such a different mindset back then. Um, but it's very now, very recently, it's just now that I'm realizing that when you're booking artists like Common and Currency and you're bringing them to Boston for Boston Cannabis Week, you have a lot of eyeballs on you. Year one, we almost flew under the radar. It's like, we did our event and we had a great show. And we had a we had a decent turnout for what we were doing. Yeah. Um, but it was 
very under the radar compared to the exposure, the the press involvement, the partner involvement, um, and the amount of people. Our team now has 20 people wow. that make this whole thing go. Um, and they dedicate their lives to it. Our promotions team was literally at the Wu-Tang show the other day in the parking lot, handing out flyers. Like we're all in, all of us are all in. We all want to make it work. And then having partners like Harbor House Collective and some of our partners who have, are returning are not year one partners have just been so supportive and want to see us win. And that's an amazing thing. And it's really nice to be a part of that. Yeah. What kept you going year two? Like what kept? So year two, we were going into 2020. And I was like, and we were very, again, naive, like, oh, this is going to go This COVID thing's going to go away. We'll be fine. <laughs> and finally, it was like three months before. And I said, Scott, I'm like, we got to call it, bro. Like nothing is happening. No one's doing anything. Um, and, he, and he goes, all right, let's just do a, a week of virtual events. And I was like, all right. So we it wasn't like we just stopped and took a break. We we switched to a completely virtual format. We also thought that everybody was burnt out on Zoom and virtual. We're like, is anyone even going to care that we're doing this? You know, and what ended up happening was we got about 30,000 attendees from around the country on our virtual programming. So like we started getting an audience way outside Boston and all of a sudden, do you know how it was just by virtue of having something interesting cannabis related that was available in a streaming format? And people started paying attention. Then all of a sudden, I was like, wow, we we got to keep something virtual because there's people outside of Boston are paying attention. Now, this year, there's uh, Rove is sending out their whole team is coming from San Francisco. PAX's team is coming from San Francisco. Wow. Um, uh, Respect My Region is coming out from L.A. We have folks coming from Florida, Texas. Like people fly in from all over the country to come to Boston Cannabis Week. The hotel where... We year one, we just had a few rooms is now sells out every single year just for our event alone. Um, and now we're we have like other hotel partners we're having to approach to like just have room for all these people. Yeah. So now we've become uh, a hospitality and tourism destination almost, um, which I don't think we planned that early on. It was just like we're going to just see where this goes. But my partner, Scott, he was the one who had this idea for Boston Cannabis Week. And he was the one who he had in a former life of his was very involved in um, Fashion Week. And he, so he had a vision that it was going to be more like that, that it was, you know. And now this year we've expanded programming. We have 12 events happening virtually and in person. So now it feels more like that. There's so many different things happening in so many other areas all over, you know, we're in Methuen, we're in Boston, we're in um, Hyde Park, we're in, uh, you know, like everywhere you could possibly think of. So, uh, and and this year, six years after the initial thought, are we six years? Yeah, yeah, about that, about that. Yeah, I uh, see that seven, as a years, I see yeah. that as a congratulations because I think people, I have the people think stuff comes easy, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Like they think, oh, they think the, how you thought in the beginning. Right. Oh, we'll just do it. And yeah. then it doesn't work. And that's, and then sometimes right. people just give up. Right. But it's seven years and now you're still talking about it with like a passion and a love. And yeah, because this is what we do. It's funny. Now I have, I have a daughter who's 13 and 
she's just like, I can't wait for BCW to be over. <laughs> oh, really? Cause, just because she's like, she misses our our weekends and our like, um, she wants to go play. She probably do doesn't stuff. think weed's cool. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Like, she's they, like you. Probably, yeah. She has a totally different. So it was funny because actually going to the Wu Tang show the other day. So first she's like, "Can I come?" I'm like, "No, you're staying home. Like my night out." So, um, but she was home, and I put on my Wu Tang T-shirt, and I'm like getting ready to go out the door, and I have my big gold hoop earrings on, and she's like, "What's this fit?" And I'm like, "You don't like my, you don't like my outfit." She goes, "I don't know how I feel about you in a Wu Tang shirt." I'm like, let, let me explain something to you. I've been listening to Wu Tang since I was your age, okay? So she looks at me like, she yeah. pulls her eyes. She doesn't think it's cool at all. We have a fun game we play where she, it's called Guess the Followers, where we'll go back and forth about the music she really likes and the music I really likes and who has higher Spotify followers. Oh, okay. Silly, but she'll go I thought you were going to say Instagram followers because a lot of that's bought. Sometimes a lot Instagram, of that's but bought. It's Spotify. Spotify is yeah. a good way to it's judge the. Some of the music we do, like I took her to see The Weeknd at Gillette. She was totally into that. She loved it. Yeah. Um. So some of the stuff we do vibes on, some of the other stuff, like we do not, like she loves like Lil TJ, Polo G, like YNW Melly. And I just, I can't, I listen to it and I'm like, I don't understand what they're saying. I need, I'm <laughs> I like lyricist. that stuff too. I, I like that stuff okay. too. It's brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Let me say, they sent me the precision package and uh, life is so much better with aerodynamic balls. It includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code BUCKEDUP at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code BUCKEDUP at manscaped.com. Uh, their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000 watt LED spotlight that you need for a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on your bathroom floor. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com when you use code BUCKEDUP. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use code BUCKEDUP. Let's get back into it. I, but she, but I like the old, yeah. Like, she's like, you listen to old people rap. I'm like, oh, you're so rude. Because it's a new art form. It's like it when is. you it's were different. listening to it, that was like kind of, right. it was only around for what, 10, 15 years yeah, at that it was point. Very new. Yeah. I got like, it, like doggy style and into the 36 chambers. My mother took away. She's like, this is vile. <laughs> what they're saying is hard. And she took it away. And I remember like begging her. I was like, please let me get it back. I'm just going to go to Tower Records and buy a new one. She might just let me have that back. That's so Sam Goody at that time. <laughs> like that's that. It's, it's a minute. That's how well, that's how old I am. You know, that's where I used to buy music. Isn't that how it, it's funny, though? Because like when you were a kid, weed was like, what the fuck? Like you had to hide it. 
right? Yeah, people were still getting arrested. I and then, but you arrested. wanted to smoke it more. Like now with your daughter, it's so open. And she's like, oh, there's mom like, with her weed again. It's, it's not, no, not really. Because like, I'm not like that at home. Like <laughs> for me, it, it, for me, it's more. Um, yeah. Cause you were, we were talking work. about this beforehand. Yeah. What's yeah. your, how, what's your relationship with working, weed and how has it changed? Working in the cannabis industry changes how you feel about cannabis. Just like um, working in the music industry for so long, you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to be in a nightclub at 2 a.m. I actually got offered an opportunity to, to manage a new venue was opening in Providence. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to be in a club till 2, 3 in the morning. I don't want to deal with with the chaos and the, the riders and the angry and the like and the drunk. And I, I don't want to deal with it. The cannabis industry is almost the same way, whereas like now this is work to me. It's lost. It, 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 not that it's lost its appeal. It's just it means something different to me. Mm -hmm. It's like the benefits that I see for cannabis are mostly medicinal and functional in people's lives. Whereas like I was a kid seeing people go to jail, some of which are still locked up, which is another whole thing we can talk about. Like, yeah. But people went to real jail for this. Still in real and jail from the in yeah. jail. So and we're in a dispensary right now with it. Right, just like, recording a podcast in a dispensary. Well, I'm people, stoned as hell. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm glad you are. Um, but it's literally like we're sitting in a, a location where people are celebrating and selling it, and we are completely within our rights of the law, and we're not doing anything illegal. But there are still people sitting in a jail cell for this, and that's from that time. So even though we've come so far, we've only come so far. Yeah, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. And at part of Boston Cannabis Week, we're running, um, we're working with Big Hope Project. They're doing an expungement clinic, full day expungement clinics. You can go to bostoncannabisweek.com and register and they'll send you the information. But we're trying to like do the things we're supposed to do and help make a difference. And we're very minded of, of who our community is and who is at the forefront of our organization. You know, Boston Cannabis Week is a women-run company, uh, a women-owned company. Uh, we understand the rights we have been afforded, and we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our community. And that's what Boston Cannabis Week is about. We never charge for education or networking. Even our music festival, we try to do an affordable ticket if possible. We give away tons of free tickets um, because we want to be about the community and we feel like we're community based and support from other organizations is the only reason we've grown to the to where we are now. Why do you think there's still people locked up for? Because it's a business, because this whole thing is a business. People in jail make other people money. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, but it's true. It's true. Um, hopefully one day we'll get we'll get away from that. But we have a very flawed legal system. And um, unfortunately, we still live in a day and a place and a world where the color of my skin affords me opportunities that it doesn't to other people. So I feel obligated to help fix that and change that. Um, Boston Cannabis Week is one of the ways that we're trying to do that. Um, even with, you know, with our vendor spots, we give we give away a lot of vendor spots. If a vendor comes to us and they're like, how much is it to set up at your event and I go, here it is. And they go, I can't afford that. I say, okay, what can you afford? Now I can't do that for, you know, all everybody, but I don't want anyone to be excluded. 
Um, and also with our uh, BCW has a scholarship program where we award um, SEEE applicants and minority owned businesses uh, sponsorship in the form of Boston Cannabis Week sponsorship. So we seek out businesses that um, we think are doing good work in the community and we will give them a spot at every event. We try to give them promotional platforms. We introduce them to people that we think helps their brand. And then they can also use our internal team as, as resources. Um, so this year we have um, Darrell Black with Let's Talk Weed is one of our scholarship recipients. Uh, and a new dispensary coming on board, uh, Stone's Throw Cannabis is another one of our scholarship recipients. So they'll be you know, at events throughout the week. Um, but it's important for us to be doing these things that are actually impactful for the community. Otherwise, it is like, important what because are we doing? Yeah. people don't people don't think about generational wealth in that way, too. Right. How hard it is, the amount of bankroll you need to start anything. And the farther you get into it, the more you realize, oh, a lot of people are making it because of the bankroll they have. And a lot of people don't have those opportunities yeah. because of where they came up or because of uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, racism. Uh, the the It's. Yeah. And and don't don't get it twisted with Boston Cannabis Week. It's the same thing. We didn't have a dollar to our names when we launched this literally zero dollars in the bank. This all happens because we had a vision, we had a dream and we knew how to organize in a way that we could figure out how to make money. Um, and that's what it's been. And this has been partner supported since day one, day one. And that's what it, that's why it comes across as authentic and that's why it works. And that's why seven years later, you're still doing it because it's about the idea. It's not about the outcome. Right. You have to start like what I, before when I was saying about just start, you kind of just have to start and figure out the path when like, you just have to start on the path and the end will find you. Right. You, I started this with no money, it, but it's just the belief in yourself and your idea that it will work out. Cause that's really what it is in the end. Right. Cause money will get you so far. It will get you so far. Um, we're talking about you were talking about the music that your daughter listens to like yes i'm not going to name any of those those artists again because i'm not talking about those yeah. artists but you see artists that blow up for a couple of years because they have big financial backings right. Right. and then you see artists like currency who's been around since he's the 90s now and right. he's a staple and it's because it didn't matter that he didn't have any number one hits right. throughout he just had in his idea and he right. stuck with it yeah Absolutely. And, and listen, no shade to any of those artists that my daughter loves. It's just, no. different. it's generationally different and that's fine. Cause it was for me too, right? Like my parents didn't listen to what I listened to. They probably said, they said the same thing. I mean, yeah. I remember the day Tupac died. I remember my dad picked me up to go to a Knicks game and I was like sobbing. And he's like, why are you so sad? I'm like, Tupac died. And he's like, did you, he's okay. So like, like he didn't, you know, it wasn't the same sense of loss. Yeah. Um, and for us, like, to to your point and what you were saying before, like, if you don't have the support of, of the community or outside players, you have a shelf life. And if you're not growing, you're dying. And there's way more cannabis events now than there were in 2019. So we did 
you know, we do have proof of concept. We were one of the first to market. We were not the first by any means. I'm not saying that, but in terms of a week of programmed events, we were the first to do that here. Um, and in fact, another company did come that's not from this part of the world came here and hosted some events and they were calling themselves uh, Boston's first cannabis week. And uh, our lawyers let them know that that was not the case, that Boston Cannabis Week had just happened. And actually, we were fortunate enough to be um, featured in Rolling Stone year one for our work in social equity and economic really? empowerment in Massachusetts. So, like, <laughs> said the article along, they were like, Rolling Stone says we're legit. There it is. <laughs> so, um, how'd that feel to have Rolling Stone write an article about your first it's year? Still insane to this day. I still go, how did that even, like, why do they even care what we're doing? You know, even, but why do you think they care about what you're doing? Because it's different, because it's cannabis, because it's, it's past the norm of what people are expected to do, I think. Why is what you guys do different? We're not just a festival. Yeah, the festival's a big part of it. And, and of course, it's one of the most notable parts of it. But when you look at all of the offerings and all of the people involved and, all of the different ways to become involved with Boston Cannabis Week. So, you know, my, if I, to give you like a snapshot to what my email inbox looks like, it's like, we have people reach out and they want to sponsor. And I love that. We have people reach out and they want to come vend. And I love that. We have people reach out and say, I don't know what I can bring to the table, but I just want to be involved. And I love that too. And I'll say, Hey, like either just come to these events or can I give you some free tickets to this event? Or like, you know, Put it on your socials that you're going to come down and be a part of it. So, like, I try to find a way for everyone to be involved. I don't think everyone is trying to do that. Like, you know, it, it's like we're trying to lower the barriers to entry. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case with everybody. And that's okay. It's, again, it's like there's room for all of us to win. I obviously I, I don't look at it and go, oh, well, there's this event and there's this event, but we do this differently. I honestly think there's an audience for all of these events to happen. Yeah. Um, and now what we're seeing, and we knew we would see this, was before and after Boston Cannabis Week, a lot of events are happening locally because of the amount of people traveling from around the country. And then we're also seeing more people um, starting to host like underground pop-up events during the week. How does that make you feel? So part of it is like flattering. You know, it's like, oh, well, OK, cool. Um, and I, I don't have a problem with it. What I don't like as I crack that right into the microphone. <laughs> um, what I what I'm not thrilled about is when I see people like trying to host their own events during Boston Cannabis Week using the hashtag Boston Cannabis Week. Mm. And it's like they're trying to make money off of people. It's like if you're trying to do something that's cool and you're inviting people and you're providing a platform, I'm cool with that. Um, if you're just trying to make money because you know all these people are coming in from around the country to come be part of Boston Cannabis Week, I think there's a better way to go about that. Yeah. I think the reason I asked that is uh, when I first started getting some success of the podcast, I realized that there were a lot of podcasts that started doing what I was doing. And at first I kind of got mad. But then I was like, no, like it's a it's a flattery thing. Yeah. And I was doing it first. Like there's the the proof of concept and right. it's it keeps me going because it's like, oh, if I'm doing so many other people want to try to do what I'm doing, that that means that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And we are in Massachusetts and we're in Boston. Like this city is known for the crabs in a barrel mentality. It's like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you can't win and I can't win at the same time. Only one of us can win. Is that real? In the music industry, because that's so funny, because that's how it is in Boston comedy. Yeah, and I thought it was just a comedy. No, no, thing. no. And I'm saying this as someone who's a transplant from New York to Boston, right? Like, yeah, I that mentality exists here in a very different way, um, and I'm not sure exactly why that is. Maybe it's the size of the city, but through the music and com- through the music industry, and now the cannabis industry, there's still a mentality of. We can't both win. It has to be one or the other. I th- I actually I've been I think about that a lot. That thing where why it it is the size of the city because it's not it's a big enough city that it can have its own scene. Right. But the people in it are too scared to leave. Right. They're too scared to drive the four hours to New York, or the five hours to Philly, or the seven hours to six hours to Rochester and Buffalo, right. or the thirteen hours to Detroit. Like they're too scared to leave the city. And then come back. Right. We are doing this in in a dispensary. People walking by. That's great, though. That's great, though. It's wonderful to be in a, in a, like, this wasn't always, you couldn't always do this. You couldn't always be sitting in a dispensary talking on a podcast about cannabis. Like, it wasn't a thing. So it's wonderful that it's a thing now. Or what were we talking about before? I told was like a guy couldn't figure out the door and I lost my train of thought. Boston. <laughs> oh, it, city. but it is. I I really do think people need to leave and then come back. Yeah. To see that it's from? not the scene or like there's right. other scenes that you can be a part of. I think that's good to do wherever you're from. Honestly, you learn different perspective when you get to leave your bubble and go to another part of the world and and it took you you said you were 30 when you decided to leave but i think a lot of people i at that point so i'm 25 but i hang with the i feel like a lot of people at 30 think that's what their life is going to you're just settled into it at 30 and that's it but that's not the case that's not even that's not even half your life no and i'll be honest like i started figuring stuff out at 40. I'm 41 now. Like, I feel like just new to figuring things out. Even in my 30s, I was still like. When you started to lose passion or when you did feel like it was becoming a business, like what keeps you going? What What do you tell yourself? What do you? Well, at this point, because I do have my moments where I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, you know, Boston Cannabis Week specifically is much bigger than me. It It, in a way, it almost has nothing to do with Scott or I at this point. Um, we have a large team of people who are employed and, and work and and they all make it go. Um, it could not be done with just Scott and I at this point. Um, and beyond that, there are partners, brands who now like utilize Boston Cannabis Week to help their businesses grow and connect with new people and you know a lot of our partners come on board with the you know they'll we'll say to them well what's your focus do you you know is it wholesale is it retail is it end users like do you want to talk to the consumers um and that's where we know where to put them like that's you know but they it is our mission to make sure they come out of boston cannabis week with more than they came into it with so at this point i'm 
it's not that I'm just a body in a chair, but B BCW can have another CEO that would do just a good a, a, of a job. And it's funny, I had a way back when I had a, a, a boss who said to me, you're an entrepreneur. The best thing you can do is train people to replace you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ohm with Emily. Emily is a meditation and yoga teacher, as well as an astrology and tarot reader. She uses yoga and spirituality to help others reconnect with their true self. She offers in-person and virtual one-on-one -on -one sessions for all experience levels. Find her online at omwithemily.com. That's O-M-W-I-T-H-E-M-I-L-Y.com or on IG at ohm.with.emily. DM her on IG and mention Bucked Up and she'll send you a free guided meditation. That's right, mention Bucked Up and she'll send you a free guided meditation. You can find her on IG at ohm.with.emily. Let's get back into it. I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, why would I want anyone to replace me? Now I understand what that means. It means that this thing that we co-founded is way bigger than either one of us. And at some point, you know, not anytime soon, I hope, but at some point there'll be someone else sitting in my seat doing my job and making it be even bigger than it is now, you know? So I think you, you have to be willing to put your ego away. And that's a tough lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough lesson to learn. Someone I, and I forget who it is, but someone once told me like, half of it is you're doing it for yourself but once you get like half of it is you're doing it for the others too and you really can't forget about the people right that you're doing it for yeah. right and now at this point like i have a daughter and i think about like and it's funny because i see i was like well one day you'll run this she goes i don't want this <laughs> <laughs> it's like opening a pizza shop it's like it's yeah. for you <laughs> and she literally the other day the first time she said maybe she's like well can i book little tj <laughs> and i was like well maybe i was like i think once i'm retired and actually we were on a conference call with our booking team so ned was on the call and i was like ask him so she got on the call she's like ned i would like to book little tj so he goes, I guess next year, that's who we're, I'm like, no, not next year. Little, but like, that's the only way she has any interest in it Yeah, you know, to her and, and Scott's kids to, cause you know, we're very family business. So like we're around each other and each other's kids all the time. His kids have said to him, dad, I don't want to sell weed. And he's like, what do you think we do? Like, we don't sell weed. We, this is an event business, it's a marketing yeah. business, but they just, they don't have the same outlook on, on it. Like they look like to your put before they don't look at this like it's cool. Yeah. They're like, oh, you guys are so old and annoying. Like literally. <laughs> what yeah. do you see? Like, what do you see in your future for this? Like, do you are you just going with the flow or do you have like a plan always that you a plan. It's always a plan? Um, I think, you know, next year uh, is going to be is year five. It's going to be a pivotal year for for us. We have some my ideas about what growth is going to mean next year and what um, what the next steps for us look like. Um, you know, one of the things that we've struggled with, you know, the venues are all over Boston, right? In Massachusetts. We've, con we've continued to outgrow them all. 
And even going into this year, we're like the golf tournament was sold out two weeks ago. Wow. So I, you know, we have a wait list of 10 golf foursomes, you know, the music festival, you know, we love working with underground at ink block. Um, but at some point we're going to have to go to a bigger venue where we could sell more tickets. So I, this year is, is very important just as a follow-up to last year, but next year going into year five is going to be a pivotal year where we're making some big changes. How long do you plan ahead of the event? We, okay. So we start. Are you planning. like Santa Claus? Do you do it to December 26th? No. Do you... <laughs> so believe it or not, we're actually on a 15 month planning cycle. So we started planning BCW 2023 two months ago. Very preliminary, yeah. right? Like, cause we're in the heavy lifting, right? So you can only do so much, but we like, we were, we were starting to think about the changes for next year. Two months ago, we've already started outlining what some of those are. Um, the other day I said, our booking team, I was like, what about this? Like as a headliner for next year. So it takes 15 months to plan the whole week knowing that. So every year, Scott and I go, all right, the day, the three days after Boston cannabis week, don't talk to us. <laughs> there has not been one year yet where Sunday, everything ends. We pack up, trucks are packed up, the vendors are packed up, we're home, The tr everything's dropped off. And I sit on the couch and I text him, what about this? <laughs> it happens every year. So as much as we try to put it down when it's done, it's very hard for us. Doesn't that show you still like it though? Like it does. Still, it does. If you were like, I just get like, I can't even, th like you're like, no, I'm yeah. still thinking about it. Yeah. Even, so, uh... so yeah, so the full cycle of planning the whole thing takes 15 months. Um, and that is like, programming, partnerships, planning decks, meetings, permits, all of these things happening together um, takes about that long. Wow. Yeah. Where do you see it in five years? In five years, I think it, just on the trajectory we are now and where we're going, um, I think we're going to be, you know, one of the biggest cannabis events in the country. I hope to be. Um, you know, we're going to continue on our mission to normalize cannabis in our communities and provide resources for people. Um, you know, we're, we're in this place now where other very notable cannabis events know who we are, you know, like I, I very recently got to speak to the, the owner of hall of flowers. And I was like, Oh, you guys did such a great job. He's like, we're coming to Boston cannabis week. I'm like, wow, you are, <laughs> you know, it's so like, there's still times like that, that it still yeah. hits me. Um, so I think, I think the plan for five years out is we want to continue to nurture our relationships here, grow. Um, I think leave Boston or is it always, I mean, we're Boston Cannabis Week. I think we're always going to be Boston Cannabis Week, even though some of our, you know, like the golf tournament happens in Methuen. We are we aren't necessarily in just Boston, but, but I you're think, not trying to grow it to like you guys run Detroit Cannabis Week. You know, or... I'm never going to say no, because you don't know what happens down the road. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, do you think you'll ever move to Massachusetts? I'd be like, fuck no. And run you know? the like, run. <laughs> the right, biggest right. Like, that was not me. Um, so I don't think. I don't, I don't want to ever say no to anything right now. I'm worried about Boston. Let's see what happens after Boston. Um, Where do you think weed's going to be in five years? 
cannabis. Honestly, People don't call it weed. It's cannabis. It's I know. Cannabis. It's so, it's yeah, so it's, I, I, um, my mom says pot, and it sounds so like, like are you smoking too. pot? And it's just like, yeah. it's harsh. It's yeah. a harsh word. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, what do you think cannabis is going to be in five years? You know, we're t- we've been trying. Everybody's been working so hard to change the legislation, to normalize it, to you know, make it part of our normal everyday life. I think we're going to get to a point where federally we're going to legalize. The government's going to figure out how to continue to tax it federally. Things are going to start to move in a direction where it becomes super accessible, you know, like beer or wine is. Yeah. I do think we're going to get there at some point. Um, I think it it might take a little while. Uh, We're not there yet. We're getting close. Um, for us, it's like we'll know that we're in a different space when banking isn't an issue and when, you know, those type of things. Is that hard for you? Like, oh, so hard. So hard. We are not. Okay. So here's the difference, right? So dispensary is a plant facing business, right? They touch the plant, they sell the plant, they cultivate, they trim, whatever. We are not a plant-facing business. We are an events business that happens to work in cannabis, but the banks hold us to almost the same, the same um, standards as the dispensaries. So we've had, I'll say like five bank accounts over the past two years, just because one bank bought at another bank, bought at another bank, then this bank closed our account and this bank said no to cannabis all of a sudden. So they're like, go to this bank. Um, we've lost payment processors and all sorts of things. And we do not touch the plant, but we take money from dispensaries who are partnering or sponsoring or, you know, part of the event in some way. Um, so that's put us, that's made us, you know, I didn't even think about that until you said it. And now it's like, oh my, it is a problem. Yeah. If I, so cannabis banks, and this is all very new and there are certain people I work with that have a better understanding of it, but they have a whole different set of rules than just regular banks, right? And just any other type of spot. Mm-hmm. So when, when I cash, because in check, the eyes of the government, it's like a drug bank, right? Yeah. When I cash a check at this bank or our bank now, there's a whole, like they do an audit on every transaction. So I have to report where it came from. I have to show an invoice for where it came from. You have to be extra careful about not. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be doubly buttoned up, even though I'm not, I don't touch the plant. I don't sell the plant. Just the fact that I accept money from dispensaries for sponsorship and for events and for partnership and all these things puts us in that category. Was that the hardest thing to like deal with? That you didn't... One of them. Yeah. One of them. Just because just like we don't have a million dollar bankroll. You know, if if we have an issue with the bank and a few thousand dollars is getting holed up, that's a big problem for us. So um, last year we had a situation the week of Boston Cannabis Week where we had a like a fifteen thousand dollar vendor payment returned. So it was, you know, we still deal with a lot of that stuff. Like yeah. I said, it's it's getting much better. Um, but I, I think we'll get there. And I think in the next five years, we're going to see like. You know, you're going to have like mainstream banks promoting cannabis. It's, you know, like think yeah. it's crazy to think about, but I think we're going to get there. I do. It's just going to take a minute. Man, I'm excited for Boston Cannabis Week. I really am. Um, 
do you want to do like a final plug for it before sure, we wrap yes. up? Thank you. Of well, course. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh no, this was an awesome Scott, conversation. Myself and my whole team. We're just so grateful for the support. Um, and I am very grateful to my entire team that makes this go literally like one person's doing a venue walkthrough right now. Another person's grabbing product from a, uh, grabbing swag from a dispensary. <laughs> like we're all, everyone's running around getting all the last minute things done. Um, but, uh, you can go to bostoncannabisweek.com, check out all of the events for the week, um, education networking, almost all of our events are completely free. Um, the, uh, you just need to register at our website. The music festival is ticketed, um, but we do have, uh, affordable pricing for that event. Um, tickets are on sale right now. Common uh, currency, alchemist, common rock marciano. Currency. Yep. Rock marciano, the alchemist, uh, Dub Apocalypse with Acrobatic, Dutch Rebel, uh, DJ Slipwax. I don't know if anyone knows, uh, you guys know DJ Slipwax. No, I don't. He is a he is a staple in Massachusetts, uh, in the hip-hop community here. He oh, is a check him out. scratch master. He is incredible. I saw DJ Qbert like, staring at him, open jaw. Really? All like, right, I'm going to have incredible. to check him out. So, come, yeah. you know, so, like, that was really important for us to also... Our festival's called Experience Boston because we want it to feel like here. So having DJ Slipwax and Acrobatic and Dutch Rebel and these staples of the music community here are really important to our lineup. Um, Friday, we have performing uh, uh, Soul Rebel Project headlining. We have Green Lion Crew. We have uh, WTF, We the Females performing. Um, so it's really a full week of just fun and entertainment and community and networking um and education run you through the week real quick monday morning is our golf tournament monday evening we do a uh, science over stigma panel with seed and mcr labs tuesday is a full day of education in the morning we start off with our veteran wellness breakfast we invite all veterans to come down have breakfast with us we're going to have all sorts of resources available to you then a full day of education we're talking about Cannabis and pregnancy, CBD and movement, uh, workplace culture, um, uh, legacy market transition, all really interesting oh, topics. Wow. Wednesday is Fashion on Fire, our fashion and glass art gallery. Thursday is our, uh, we have virtual networking at one o'clock. Then we're doing a uh, Boston Cannabis Week edition of Let's Talk Weed with Darrell Black at four. Then we are doing uh, our industry mixer, that which is sold every year. It's at capacity. Um, so we moved it over. We're at Big Night Live this year. Oh, which really? Is so oh. Um, and then Friday oh. is our block party. Saturday is the music festival, and Sunday we have self care Sunday brunch. So we're just gonna get massages and eat, That's and it. maybe smoke a little weed. Whatever works for you. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. can't wait for it. I'm. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're very busy, so you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much to Harbor House for yes. letting us record here. They have amazing products. Uh, their dispensary is beautiful and uh, everyone should go check it out yes thank you harbor house collective for supporting boston cannabis week we really appreciate it yes i am bucked up uh thank you guys all for listening uh we'll see you next time yeah 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 y